Good morning. It is a beautiful morning, isn't it? Gray as it might be out there right now. It is a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be home, I got to tell you. Ten weeks on the road, it's good to be home. It's good to be back here in our church. It's good to be with family and friends. And I want to say, first, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for being there with us during these projects, during these recordings. Thank you. And it's enjoyable to be able to give you an update on what these last 10 weeks have been like, working with Scottish Gaelic and working with uh, the Romani people um, in Romania there. Um, It's a joy. But I don't want to do this in the traditional way, standard way, the way we've always done it. Show you a lot of pictures by which now they all look alike. Sean said we could probably take one of our last um, uh, presentations, throw it up there, and you wouldn't know where we were And that. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to approach this and look at this through, through eyes of hope, because that's what we have. We sang it this morning. The hope we have is in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We sing about it um, all the time. I think of the, the other uh, song that comes to mind, In Christ Alone. Our hope is found nowhere else. So we want to bring this presentation to you from that standpoint. And let me start with prayer. Heavenly Father, this day is yours. Every day is yours. And we thank you that you have called us to be part of this day. That you, Lord, have called us to be part of this family, to be part of your family, to be part of your kingdom. Thank you for that. Thank you for the call you put on each of us that brought us to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you for the call that you put on each of us to serve you. It's in your service and your service alone that we experience the greatest joy we possibly can in this life. A joy that we will know for all eternity when we're with you. We thank you, Lord, for all of that. I thank you for this church family that upholds us. And just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless this church, grow this church, deepen the faith of this church, and help us to, to abound in the hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this morning you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I did want to bring up a couple of interesting things here about Scotland um, and Romania. Just a a few small things to start off with. Um, Kilts. They are still in style for manly wear in Scotland. (laughs) If there are any high school boys that are hoping to go to prom, 
Don't do it in Scotland unless you're ready to wear a kilt. It is the, it's actually the tuxedo of choice for all weddings and uh, other special occasions. They still wear them. The kilt, the belt, the bag, the socks, the shoes, everything. From the waist down, it's the kilt. How about this one? The number of sheep in Scotland number about 6,730,000, while people in Scotland number about 5,454,000. Sheep outnumber people by 1.3 million. Sheep rule in Scotland. <laughs> the thistle is a Scottish national flower. The rest of the world is a weed. There it is a national flower. And this I, I, comes to me from the International Appreciation of Cattle Association, of which I am the sole member, president, secretary, treasurer, and everything. The Scottish Highland cow is by far and away the prettiest cow you will ever see in the world. Sort of like a big hairy sheepdog with horns. Phenomenal. Look them up. Google Scottish Highland cow. I challenge you. Um, uh, and I have to bring you some sad news. Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, as loved as she may be in thought, she's only a myth. Got it off, I can't get it back in. All right. Pardon me for just a moment. Okay, where was I? Harris Tweed. The patented process of how that fabric, wool fabric, is put together. It has to go through a strict certification process. It is the old, oldest patent process known in the world. And it's only in Scotland. Now, for Romania, I don't have as much. We didn't get as much time there, so I got to tell you, the first one is... Dracula, he is a real person, or was, I should say. He was a real person. His lesser-known nickname is Vlad the Impaler. Think about that for a minute. He is not a vampire, but he is every bit as mean as one. He and his small kingdom in Transylvania single-handedly stopped the advance of the Ottoman Empire, at that time the strongest empire in the world, from moving across Romania and into Northern Europe. And he did it out of sheer brutality. Sheer brutality. Vlad the Impaler. And then the other good one is Romanian gypsies. They are, uh, are Rom Romani Calderesh people, I should say that. Romani people, also known as the gypsies. They are no longer the horse-drawn, wagon-bound migrants of yesterday. Now they put down roots. They have communities. Um, they have businesses, and they do quite well at them. As a matter of fact, their horse-drawn carriages nowadays mostly look like, is it better? Got it. Mostly look like Mercedes. Um, and as we witnessed, a couple of them actually drive Lamborghinis. 
Note to self, you cannot out-haggle a gypsy. <laughs> Can't do it. So with that, now I wanted to do one other thing. We have a real short presentation here. It's going to be like a minute and a half long. Um, I didn't want to show you a lot of pictures, but we, wanted to, we did want to bring a couple of things to highlight. You know, for 2,000 years, the church, given the Great Commission, has been about reaching the lost with the news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, saving souls, making disciples. During some eras, we've been better at that as a church than others. But that has been our job as a church. Spread the news of Jesus Christ, right? Well, it's amazing. And this morning, it's kind of neat. I mentioned this to Jake, and here we come up here and sing Psalm 150. That practice is alive and well in Scotland. They sing the Psalms. Um, they sing them in Gaelic. They sing them in English as well, but they sing them in Gaelic. And one of the things we wanted to show was just a short portion of that. We got to hear some of that when we were there. And so we're going to play a short portion of that. What you're about to hear was recorded on the Isle of Lewis, uh, Stornoway, in the Kenneth Street Free Church of Scotland. And that's where we did the second half of the Scottish Gaelic recording. This is Psalm 133, and it's done using call and response, and it is in Gaelic. Um, this actually, this practice has been going on since the 17th century, and it actually helped maintain the Scottish Gaelic language when it was being oppressed in that. So, Becky, go ahead. Another thing that we saw over there, we don't see it as much in the U.S., in our churches, on our walls, on our ceilings and that, but it is the Bible in art. We do see it in stained glass and so on. But in Scotland and Romania, the Bible in art is alive and well. This church right here, a cathedral in Romania, literally had every square inch of the wall and every bit of the ceiling plastered, painted, exquisitely painted in artwork. It was the depiction of the entire New Testament on the walls. It was amazing, beautiful. This one here, of course, is, is a, a window in that. This was a church in Scotland um, that we looked at. Just amazing that the artwork is there. I do realize that this can be a controversial thing, um, that, you know, graven images and all of that um, could be confused here and brought up here and argued here. And so we don't show you this to encourage this. We're not going to have a painting day at Calvary Baptist uh, or anything. But what we wanted to do was mention how God uses people 
and how the church has gotten the message and tried to keep the message in front of believers and newcomers, visitors, um, throughout the centuries and that. With a few sermons, you could have looked at that church ceiling and recited the New Testament start to finish without any problems. It's that complete. <clears throat> they want to keep the scripture, the Bible, before the people, in front of the people, in the lives of the people. And that was a neat thing. Um, because we look at this and we come at this from the standpoint of, we came at this recording from the standpoint of why. Why Scottish Gaelic? Why are we doing this recording? It didn't look like a priority to us. They're a first world country. They're not an unreached people group. They're in England, for crying out loud, the country that owned two-thirds of the world at one time. Why are we there? We were told initially that Sean and I were being sent specifically because they wanted to open relationships with Bobby, Bible, um, Scottish Bible Society and hopefully through that open doors to more projects. Scottish Bible Society is at work around the globe in partnership with Bible translation and Bible uh, recording. And so we wanted to open uh, a greater partnership with them and with the United Bible Societies as a whole. This recording was to be a bridge to that partnership. And, that. and I think it worked that way. I think it went well that way. But when we got there, what we realized, it was much more than that. God had us in Scotland at this time, not 10 years ago, not 10 years from now, at this time because of a specific way he was moving in the country. The history of British, the British treatment of the Scottish people is not a good one. In many ways, it looks like America's treatment of Native Americans 150 years ago. Scottish people, especially in the islands, are not favored subjects, or were not, I, I should put it that way, were not favored uh, subjects. The British at one point forcibly removed Scottish people from their lands, from their homelands, lands that they had owned and been part of for hundreds of years, thousands of years, removed them, some at gunpoint, military escort, to make way for large-scale sheep and cattle operations, many of those owned by British, some owned by Scottish, but only the Scottish that were sympathetic to the British. The Scottish Bible Society itself was not very... Um, amenable to their own countrymen. The Scottish Bible Society holds the copyright to the most recent versions of the Scottish Bible. Reprint is done only at, um, at their insistence. Yet, the most loved Scottish Bible has been out of print for over a decade. People are trying to buy it on eBay for hundreds of pounds. Hundreds of dollars. Um, and up until just before we got there, there were no plans to reprint that Bible in Scottish Gaelic. And that. In spite of uh, the language that is still there and, and still survives, um, it did so barely. I mentioned oppression. 
but that the, the um, singing the Psalms uh, was a way of preserving that language. The Scottish people, their culture, their lifestyle as they were dispersed throughout England and around the world, that culture and language suffered and went into decline. As early, or as, uh, yeah, as, er, as soon as a generation ago, Scottish uh, Gaelic speakers were being punished corporally for speaking the language. They were supposed to be speaking English. This happened even sometimes in Scottish homes. In spite of that, the language did survive, and today there is a revival of Scottish culture and language. In an effort to undo the past, the government has created Gaelic schools. K through 12, the complete education, every subject in the Gaelic language. Complete. There's also Gaelic universities, and those universities that are English-speaking universities have Gaelic programs. The problem is, and it's a good problem, it's a good problem here for us, Gaelic materials are not very abundant. So these schools, secular schools, not Christian schools, public schools, these schools are looking for any kind of Gallic material they can get a hold of. And that includes Bibles, audio recordings of Scripture, Scripture videos, anything they can get to advance the language and help people learn the language. They're playing it, reading it, producing it, using it in those public schools. We were there, I think, to record this so it would go through avenues that were a decade ago were not open to the Christian message. That is what was going on in Scotland. Now, with the Romani people, totally different. No question why we were there. They need scripture. History says that the Romani people actually migrated out of northern India, Punjab region, uh, like the fourth, fifth um, centuries. And then they went across northern India and they settled throughout Europe through the eighth and tenth centuries in that. They were originally thought to be Egypt. When they arrived in Europe, they were originally thought to be from Egypt. That's how they got the nickname, gypsies, and that. Today, there are Romani Calderesh people, communities on every continent in the world, except the land of the penguins. Nobody in Antarctica yet. But other than that, they're everywhere. They're here in North America. They're in Los Angeles. They've got a whole community out in Los Angeles. Our translator's sister lives out there. Okay? Um, it's believed they originally started moving because of persecution. And that persecution has continued for them uh, more or less ever since. We don't hear about it much. We hear about the Holocaust. We hear about the six million Jews. We don't hear about the one-third to one-half of the Romani Calderesh people who were... Uh, exterminated in the same concentration camps as the Jews. Germany and her allies did everything they could to get rid of them. Russia did the same on their own accord in that. Uh, now, the Romani, I'm looking at them real quick, their migrata migratory ways are largely gone. They do have some seasonal uh, travel in that, but for the most part, they have set up communities, like I mentioned. They're making money and driving Lamborghinis. They're set up. They're in these communities and that. But their access to Scripture is still minimal. There is only one known translation of the Bible into a Romani language, and there are different Romani languages. And that's the one we 
worked with. That's the one that we recorded the Gospel of Mark for and that. What they have to do is rely on learning the language and then using local Bibles, learning the languages of the countries where they're traveling or living, and then using those local Bibles to be able to get their hands on Scripture. Well, now the Romani Caldoresh people are going to have a New Testament printed in their language. They will have Mark's Gospel uh, in an audio form and in a video form, the, uh, the gospel film. And by the way, we've talked about it before, but anybody who wants to know more about gospel films, see me afterwards. I want to show you how that works on Bible.is and, and what that looks like because they're really neat films. And we have all four gospels in English available to us um, to go through. They're really neat things. So any other questions you have on Romania, you know, and, and Scotland and the weird food you have to eat and all that stuff. Let us know afterwards. Um, but what we want to talk about, what I want to talk about, what I want to present to you is this idea of why we do these recordings. Why are we out there? Why do we exist as a church? I could give you a lot of educational, sociological, and technical reasons why they're necessary. I could tell you um, about the adventure that's involved in working with different cultures and different people around the world. I could tell you all about the steps God took us through to join Wycliffe and be involved in Bible translation and scripture recording. Many of you have heard them. Some of you haven't. See me afterwards. I don't want to talk about it now. Just know it's God's leading. What I want to mention is the future hope. With every recording, it's our hope that that recording, when finished, when released, will touch lives and bring people around the world the same hope that we have. One hope in Jesus Christ. We hope that through this recording, these recordings, Scottish Gaelic and Romani Keldresh speakers will come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, be added to the kingdom for God's glory and for his glory alone. There is the hope that this work will fill us with all the joy that God intended us to live. I firmly believe that we can only be joy-filled when we are living a life for Christ. You didn't drink out of this last week, did you? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Here's the interesting thing about hope. There's two types. There really are two types. One, John Piper points out, is a worldly hope. We basically wish for something to happen. We wish for that new job offer to come through. Or we wish for the raise in the current job we have. As kids, we wish for that certain toy at Christmas time, that special gift. It's a cross-your-fingers 
kind of a hope. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. That's one. That's an earthly hope, a worldly hope. Piper goes on to say that there is a biblical hope, and that's the hope we read about in Scripture. That Greek word is elpis, and it carries with it the idea of an expectation that is guaranteed. John Piper quotes um, John uh, Romans 5.5 5 here. He says, and that part of the, the verse that says, and hope does not put us to shame. He specifically uses that part and only that part, a very narrow quote, but he uses it to express the idea that it is assured. It is not a wish. It is an expectation of things that will happen, will come to each and every one of us. Isn't that our hope in Christ? If we cannot hope for the life after we die here, what hope do we have? None. It's an expectation. It's been promised again and again and again. Piper goes on to say that this Christian hope is a confidence concerning the future. He goes on to say it is rock solid, sure. You can be confident. That is Christian hope, and it's always future-oriented. We see in Romans 8, 18 through 24, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And obtain, get, sometime down the road, realize sometime in the future. goes on. For we know that the whole creation has been growing together under the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes what he sees? I, had, I included that last bit because that's the truth. If we have it, do we need to hope for it? If we already have the job offer, do we need to hope for the job offer? It's there. If we have the toy, we don't need to hope for the toy. Same thing. We are hoping for a life eternal. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and the work he did. That hope carries itself to each and every one of these recording projects that we do. It looks like, well, i got to be honest with you here. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't look like that, that, that biblical hope. Sometimes I'm sitting at the recording booth, and I'm crossing my fingers, we get this sucker done. Okay? i got to be honest. It's up there. It happens at times. We have issues. We have problems. But... The real hope looks like a lady named Mari. It's Mary, but in Scotland they like to put eyes in there and all that stuff, so it's Mari. Um, Mari is a wife of a retired pastor. She was reading some of the women's lines for the, the recording, and she was also a proof listener for us, listening to the recording and the chapters as we put them together. 
And after a few days of this, Maddie shared with us how wonderful she thought the recording was, how good it sounded, how much she wished her and her husband had a tool like this when they were still in full-time ministry. Now, our hope is that Maddie will take this back to her husband and that her and her husband together, still visiting churches, still um, preaching here and there, still part of a home church, still having all this influence with friends and family, will take this project to them and help them use it in their churches among their congregations. That's hope. Hope looks like Maddie Morrison, professional actress, daughter of a lay pastor, walking about as far away from God as you can get. But as she read, as she read Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she read some of the, the Pauline epistles, Ephesians, oh, that one really torqued her out of shape for a minute. Um, as she read those, her whole spirit softened. She was being, she was, God was making her, softening her heart and opening it up. And, and she was receptive to what she was reading. Our hope that her part in this recording calls her back to the God she knew as a youth. And that. Hope is in numerous pastors, Gallic and Romani, talking about, after they heard part of this, how they want to incorporate the audio scriptures and the gospel film into their services, their church programs, their ministries, especially among their young people, their, their children's ministries and Sunday schools, to reach the next generation with God's word in a way that impacts them, that changes them, that focuses them on what the message of Jesus Christ really is. Our hope is they will do it, and it will bear fruit. That's our hope. Now, we think of missionary work um, and this kind of work as reaching the unreached, going out to um, those who have never heard before. And it is that. It is largely that. That's still the primary purpose. There's no doubt. But it's also God touching the hearts of lukewarm Christians or Christians who have fallen away completely. It's him speaking to them through us. He wants them to experience that, a refreshing, vibrant, growing life in Jesus Christ. In some cases, it will move in traditional ways, like a Billy Graham crusade through a community with people flocking forward taking a knee and praying the prayer of repentance and confession. In other ways, it'll look more like tent revival meetings of the Great Awakening and so on, Christians being awakened um, back to their spiritual roots. In many cases, it'll be a combination of the two in this day and age, sometimes a whole community at a time, sometimes one person at a time, one soul at a time, like David Walker. David Walker is another professional actor that we had for the Scottish Gaelic. Uh, he read for the voice of Paul in the book of Acts, and he did an amazing job. He brought Paul to life. He also read Romans, 1 Corinthians, some of the other letters as well. Neat thing, or the interesting thing, he took this job because he's a professional actor and he was paid. He is not a Christian. He did not come to this gig believing 
what he was reading. But after being with us for a while, after reading it, I mean, he would drop bombs. And we'll go into the specifics of the bombs. He would drop bombs in the middle of a recording when he made a mistake and had to re-record a line. And that. He's recording, by the way, in a church building, in the Scottish Bible Society's home office, with a bunch of other Christians sitting around. And that didn't matter. He was there to do a good job for which he was being paid. That was it. That was his focus. Then one night, he asked somebody at the Bible Society, can I, can I take this Bible? Can I have this Bible? Is there a Bible I can have and take home with me? Every night after that, he was asking for Bibles, materials, study guides, whatever he could get a hold of. Some of it was for friends and family. But he was making sure that he had a copy of everything for himself. Hope is that the words he read will bring him to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And we have this hope. God promises us this hope that his word will achieve its purpose. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall, return, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I sent it. That's our hope. For the Scottish Gaelic, our hope is that the new opportunities of seeing biblical materials, including this recording, in a secular realm, being offered, openly offered in a secular realm, will bring people to Jesus Christ. And now the next hope is on that, that we'll find ourselves in the same fix here in the U.S., that someday our public schools will open their doors to the Scripture, um, to the, scripture, to the Gospels, to that material being presented. <clears throat> Another hope is for a guy named Mihai Chioba. Uh, sorry, Chiaba. He is the father of our Romani speaker. Our Romani speaker was a high school student, Alex. Mihai was his father, and it was kind of really cool. Mihai was going to be our reader, but he declined. He's a businessman. He's related to the guy driving the Lamborghini, okay? He's a businessman, and the bottom line was, this gig wasn't going to pay him enough money. And so he opted out and, and put his son in there. Well, one night we were having dinner with him and his family, and at the end I brought up Bible Is. I showed them how Bible Is worked. I showed them where this, uh, this recording was going to be made available to them, one of the avenues that it was going to be made available to them. I played for them um, part of the Romanian book of of uh, Mark, which, of course, they speak Romanian as well because they've got to do business in Romania. And, uh, and we played for them part of the Romanian uh, Mark gospel film. And he lit up. He got excited about the fact that his son was going to be here. His son was going to be the voice for this in Romani Calderesh. I can't help but thinking that he was also maybe just a little disappointed that he missed his opportunity. 
in that. Well, our hope is that he will see the importance of this work and that he will spread it to all of his business associates. And he has business associates throughout Romania and around the world. That he will spread it to them and they will look for it. For the Romani Keldoresh as a whole, to see, our hope is to see Romani scriptures spread to all of them, whatever continent they may be on. We hope that the Romani that we worked with and met with will begin telling everyone. And by the way, in Romania, we only met literally only a handful. We worked with three people. We didn't have access to the whole language community, like a larger part of the language community like we usually do. Three people. And we had dinner with two other families. I did get to have dinner with royalty, by the way. The king of the gypsies. And I'll tell you what, that man can eat more meat than anybody here has ever dreamed of. They are meat eaters. He is a neat guy. He is a really neat guy. Um, but our hope is that these people will begin telling others about this project. And that by the time it's released, there are thousands anticipating it, ready to spread it around. That our translator, or the translator for the Romani Keldoresh, that she's already been in contact with her sister in uh, Los Angeles. And so that that community of Romani people, a world away, is already expecting God's word in their language to come out. That's our hope. That's what we're hoping for. With every one of these recording projects, no matter what it looks like, no matter where it's at, with the Arctic, we're headed to the Arctic next month. Our hope is that from Greenland all the way across to the middle of North America, in the coldest region, people will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their language and give their lives to our Savior, their Savior, the only Savior. That's our hope. That's our reason for this work. I want to close with this. Our hope is also for you. That in sharing what this work is all about, that you too would be encouraged to hold fast to your hope, the confession of your hope, to your faith in Jesus Christ. And to be stirred to good works for the glory of God, Hebrews 10, 23, and 24. That's our hope. You have been stirred to good works. You have prayed for us. You have supported us. You have encouraged us. But there's more good works out there, and our hope is that you will find them, works that God has specifically for each one of you. So, what has God been putting on your heart? What is he asking of you? Where or with whom has he touched you to share the hope you have in Jesus Christ, in word or in deed? And all the more as we see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10.25. Let me pray. Heavenly Father,
thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you. It is in you we hope, and it is in you that our only hope can be found. It is in you that true joy exists. It is in you that true treasure is found. Help us to see that, Lord. Bless us with hope. Fill us with hope that it would abound and spill over. That the living water would flow out from us and touch the communities and the people around us. That each of these projects that we're part of, Lord, would bring people to Christ, into the kingdom. And that as we go about our daily lives here, we would have the opportunity to share the gospel of hope with a needy world, with a broken world, with a lonely world, with a defeated world. And you as our hope, and you as our victory, and you and you alone and for your glory alone. Help us to live according to the hope you have given each and every one of us. We ask in the name of our Savior and our Lord. Amen.